Good morning, Well of Life. Well, it is so good to be with you, actually not with you physically, but certainly with you in spirit. And grace and peace be to you wherever you're hearing this message this morning. I trust that some of you are together with some people in your houses. If you're alone, don't worry, you're not alone, you're part of the body. And I trust that this morning we'll be able to just continue the community of spirit which we have here today. Um. So these are still testing times, and for me, I've got to admit that the adrenaline rush is long gone. That first initial wave of coping with things every hour, every day, needing to do things, needing to adapt. I think I've adapted now. There's a certain amount of drudgery, a certain amount of sameness which has crept into my life. The facial hair is there to stay. Sorry, mum. And, uh, you know, we just, we're just keeping on. But things are happening, and, uh, and we're moving into a a different normal. And of course, some of the consequences of locking down the world's economy are now being felt, including in our city, including amongst a number of you in our community who we love and cherish and have got to know, um, where jobs have gone, have, have disappeared, where finances are under challenge, where decisions are needing to be made about countries to go to and what to do. And for you this morning, our hearts are with you, and we want to be the church around you this morning and, uh, and really just impart something of what God has in store for you and has in store for each one of us as we uh, share this word together. You know, it was very early days where we as an eldership realized that we needed to adapt, and we felt what God was saying to us is we needed to look to receive our daily bread day by day by day, and not really look much further than one day after the next. And we still feel we're kind of in that place where we're being led by the Holy Spirit, led by the Lord. It's almost like the Israelites uh, being led into the promised land or out of Egypt with the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And when it lifts, we move on, and when it settles, we stay, and that's where we're at. You know, one of the good things, there have been plenty of good things to emerge from the lockdown, including an increased just understanding of our humanity, wonderful um, pictures and stories of people doing amazing things. And one thing that I've become fixated with, I, I, I will be honest about it and uh, upfront here, is the, the blessing song, this anthem, this Christian anthem which has arisen. Do you know, I was looking at, the, uh, at when it was recorded, when it was written, it was written on February the 27th, 2020. It was first performed on the 1st of March at a live uh, in a church environment and then recorded about three weeks later. And honestly, I don't think Carrie Joby and the Elevation Worship team realized what a phenomenon this would be and what a blessing, to quote to uh, pardon the pun, this would be to the church in this time. And over, over the last few months, we've seen churches come together across different nations and adopt this song and to sing it over their churches, over their nations, over the, over the world. And uh, it's just been such a beautiful expression of the promise and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. For those of you who don't know, it comes straight out of Scripture. It's the priestly blessing out of uh, Numbers chapter 6. And um, there are a number of different versions around now, different languages in there. I was watching the Arabic version the other day, which features 67 singers across 16 nations in the Arab world. Phenomenal to see. And as I say, I'm, I'm hooked. If you come by my house, I will treat you to at least two recordings of my favorite version that day. Uh, my current favorite is the UK one, surely for its, uh, its, its quality of production. 
I also love the, the symphonic one, which is performed by a socially distanced orchestra. But for just the fire and the heart and the African spirit, my vote has to go to the Zimbabwean version right now. And isn't it just a wonderful expression of a diverse church? You know, in our worship this morning, we had six different nationalities represented up there. It's a wonderful expression, particularly in these times where racial hurt and racial injustice is at such a fore of the church coming together, an expression of what the body of Christ should look like. So well done, church. Well done, church around the world. And um, the, the UK version finishes off with this line that comes up on TV. It says, our buildings may be closed, but the church is alive. And it's that message of pure hope and promise that makes us different. I'm not aware of any cultural or religious grouping at, the, at, at this time bringing this kind of message from everlasting to everlasting where we can express the living hope of a God who is there, who speaks to us and lives inside of us and communes with us. And really, that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about how we walk and live with the Holy Spirit right now, particularly for those of you who are in a position of great challenge and turmoil and your lives may be about to be upended. In John 14, in the passage, there's a wonderful passage there, John chapter 13 all the way through to 17, is, uh, is Jesus downloading what he wants to teach the disciples at the Passover meal. He first washes their feet. He then breaks bread with them and institutes this meal, which we will share later together. And then he says these things. He says, I will not leave you alone. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. And I, I, I wonder whether the disciples actually knew what Jesus was saying there. They, they knew he was saying some pretty weighty things. They knew at this stage that he was, he was going to leave them. But what he was saying is, I'm going to come back and I'm going to send you a helper. And this helper manifested itself uh, 40 days later on the day of Pentecost, which we celebrated about four weeks ago. And the Holy Spirit filled the disciples and completely changed their lives and their world forever. It came on him with boldness, with courage. It gave them the ability to speak in different tongues. They spilled out onto the streets of Jerusalem, and 3,000 people came to know the good news of Jesus Christ in their hearts and accept Jesus that day. Miraculous healings and events took place, and this was the start of the early church. This is what we are part of today. And over the last few weeks, we've been focusing since the, the uh, Pentecost Sunday on the work of the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, I did some devotions on the, on the person and the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and you can feel free to go and look those up. But I want to focus on that word there that Jesus said, I'm going to send you the helper. The Greek word for that is the parakletos. And the words that describe that are counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, and then the most beautiful one, the one who comes alongside, the one who comforts. You see, because the Holy Spirit is with us. He's not far off. Jesus did not leave us alone, but he sent us God who is going to reside in us, part of the Trinity, that we could reconnect us to the Father and to the Son. But it's so much, you know, that when, we, when we are saved, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we're given the Holy Spirit as a deposit, 
as a pledge or as a guarantee to use banking terms. And that guarantees, it locks in our salvation. Um, I use the example, and the Alpha Course uses this, of a little pilot light inside, inside a gas burner. It's that bit of God which is rekindled within us and, uh, and reshapes us in His own image. But the Holy Spirit inside of us, that pledge, that guarantee is so much more. Because the words that are used to, des to describe the workings of the Holy Spirit are fluid ones. And what, what that pilot light inside of us is, is a catalyst to the working of the Holy Spirit coming in and filling us and filling us and overflowing out of us. So we get words, descriptions of the Holy Spirit working like the wind, like fire, like oil, like water. Fluid things that can't easily be contained. And my experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit came when I was 15 years old. I was uh, managing the horrors of a pretty brutal boarding school regime in an Afrikaans town I didn't know. And uh, out of the kindness of their hearts, an Afrikaans couple would come and pick us boys up and take us across the other side of town to come and be in a spirit-filled church. And we experienced the infilling and the overwhelming uh, abidingness of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. The most wonderful experience. And uh, later on, as we, as we talk this through, there'll be an invitation for you to come and ask the Holy Spirit to dwell in your heart too. And kind of as I, as I went through life, uh, later teenhood, uh, adulthood, marriage, children, I've got to admit that the Holy Spirit ebbed and flowed in my lives. There were times when I felt that I was so close to the Holy Spirit, and there were times also when I realized that actually I drifted quite far from Him. And when we arrived in Dubai... Um, you know, one of our first experiences at Well of Life, the very fledgling church there was then, is Mike Eltringham teaching us about uh, the experience of Dudley Daniel, the man who founded NCMI, which is the apostolic household out of which Well of Life was born and gave roots to where we currently are in Genesis. And uh, Dudley Daniel, who was a, a pastor in a denominational church, said that he had this moment where he would read his Bible, he'd read the book of Acts, and then look at his church. He'd read the book of Acts, and look at his church and realize that something there just wasn't connecting. And so he set about trying to build a community of faith and build uh, churches that were based on the book of Acts, the live infilling of the Holy Spirit leading us forward. And that is our DNA. That's where we are. You see, because if we were to accept the Holy Spirit just once, once off, it's a little bit like having a tank of fuel and then being said, right, this is yours for your entire journey over life. Use it sparingly eke it out, and when it's finished, perhaps try and find some substitutes. No, folks, that's not the way the Holy Spirit works. That's not what He wants to do. You see, He is the wind in our sails. So when we're on a sailing boat and we, we've got that wind at the back of us and we unleash the spinnaker there, we fly along the water. He's the gas for our boiler that, light, that ignites that pilot light and heats up what is around us. He's also the oil in the engine that keeps us ticking over that keeps us moving, that makes sure that we don't overheat inside, that makes sure that we don't seize up and just jar and, uh, and burn out. You see, Jesus knew we needed a helper to fill us and keep filling us and be there with us. And this Holy Spirit doesn't need a residence visa. He defies a lockdown. He defies pandemic. He comes and he moves amongst us, and he was moving amongst us now. And so I want to look a little bit about what it means to walk and live in the Spirit. Paul says this in Galatians 5:16. He says, But I say walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, being responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. 
That's the wording in the Amplified Version, which just really expands it in a beautiful way. And to walk and live habitually, I'm going to suggest that we need three things. Number one, we need to understand our new nature. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away and new things have come. And this means we see things differently. We have a new operating system. We are changed. We used to be one thing and we are another thing. So now number two, we need to lay aside our old self and put on the new self. I love how it's expressed in Ephesians 4 verse 22. Paul says, in reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. This is who we are, folks. This is what we are asked to do. This is what we have available to us. We have a new identity. We have a new family. We're the adopted sons and daughters of God, which means that we can live in that context, no longer slaves, but as friends of God. And we need to put on and need to act out who we now are. We no longer operate from the kingdom of darkness, but are a child of light. Paul says, walk, therefore, as children of light. And the adopted course that we're going to be running in July and over the summer is there to help you do that. And I'd encourage those of you that perhaps haven't got this, this truth of this new self and being able to walk in the identity of Jesus Christ to come along to that and figure out what has happened, what has changed, and how we relate and how we move on in our lives. And thirdly, and so key to walking habitually and living in the Holy Spirit is being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12.1, which has been such a pivotal scripture in my life and I think in the life of every believer that is grappling with this and moving it forward, says this. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, there's a process that we need to work through in working, in working in this new operating system we've been given. It doesn't just happen like that. It's not something we pull out of a hat or we pull out for special occasions. But it's something we need to work through and rewire our brains and allow ourselves to be ingrained and to, to form this, this habit of walking in this new self. And it's the Holy Spirit that guides us along this way. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, it's, Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. We've been given the way to think and operate in the way of Christ. It's no longer something we have to call down from heaven and, and almost like a magic into our lives for this particular moment to particularly deal with this thing at, in our lives. But we actually, we, we make it a lifestyle and we move forward. I had a message this week, quite a distressing message from one of my friends. He's part of our community. And his message ended like this. He's obviously having a hard time. He said, my life is a mess. I want out. And I really hope that by the time you hear this message, I'll be able to speak to this brother and be able to reassure him because what he needs, he needs a touch of the Holy Spirit. He needs to understand the filling of the Holy Spirit again. He needs to know that no matter what, how deep the hole we dig ourselves into, the Spirit is able to rescue us from there. David says in the Psalms, how, where can I flee from your Spirit? If I go down to the depths, you are there. If I go to the heights, you are there. And my greatest freedom in my life came when I really started understanding who I was in Christ. 
the power that is inside me through the Holy Spirit to overcome my old self, the flesh, the sinly things, the things that would hold me back, and the world, and so that I can know a powerful walk in victory. And it's that that does it for me. Uh, that's the way I do it. I focus on what is inside of me. I focus on who the Spirit has called me to be. And then I find that the things that I used to crave after, the lust of the flesh, become something I just don't want to do because there's something so much better that is there for me to walk into. But when I slip, I'm able to come back to the Father. In the book of 1 John, chapter 2, we find that John says, we have an advocate before the Father. And that word advocate is the same word parakletos. It's the helper, Jesus Christ the righteous, who stood there, who has forgiven us, who has died for us, who his forgiveness is there to be accepted. And so I repent, I turn away from my old way of thinking, and I appropriate the blood of Jesus and the goodness and the forgiveness of God over my lives. And this is a lifelong practice of being transformed. And it starts off with knowing that he's inside of you. And I'd encourage you to get to know him, not just on Fridays, not just on Sundays, not, t not in times when you have a, a prayer list of things that you need, not just in times when you're trying to make a decision, but every single day to walk with him and through him. Allow him to abide, to dwell, to make his home in you. And the second part of Galatians 5.16 in that Amplified Version says that we're to be responsive, controlled, and guided by the Holy Spirit. And we've been looking at Acts chapter 16 and uh, Paul and Silas's missionary journey during that time and seeing how they were guided by the Holy Spirit. And there were two things that happened there that stuck out for me. One of them is that they were prevented from going to Asia. The second thing, they were called to Macedonia and they felt there was right to go and preach the gospel there. And we could see the results that happened. The first European convert happened there. The, the gospel was brought to Europe. Miracles were performed. But then there were beatings, there was captivity, there was prison. And then the work of the Holy Spirit came, breaking Paul and Silas out of jail, freedom and new believers in the jailer's family. And you can see the, the thread of the Holy Spirit there. You can see Paul and Silas being completely dependent on and living in the Holy Spirit. And so it changes how we live. Our belief system changes. We're not based on what we see in the media or how we're talked to or, or uh, provoked by social media to believe. It doesn't mean you can't engage with that because Jesus told his disciples, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. So we operate on a different platform to that, a different system to that, although we still look at it and we still engage with it and we're still involved with it. The Holy Spirit is a, is a spirit of power. It's not a passive state. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20, he says, for the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. And that word for power is the Greek word dunamis, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. And another thing that, that we learned when we came, first came to Will of Life is one of the values that we're able to express and be, so that the type of people that we're encouraged to be and can be, is we, we can be people that are supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. And supernaturally natural means when conditions are stacked against us, when the world is against us, we can be natural through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul and Silas were doing in the prison when they were singing hymns to each other that night. They were being natural through the supernatural empowering of the Holy Spirit. And for me, I've needed that while I've operated in Dubai, while I've tried to be a good lawyer, while I've tried to be a good father, while I'm an, an elder in this church, while I'm a husband. Uh, these are the things I need the Holy Spirit to come and empower me supernaturally, to walk out naturally. 
You see, we're not brought down then by the cares of the world. We can go through difficult times. We can face great challenges. We can bring our lament and our complaint to God, but he lifts it off us and we can experience the, the joy of our salvation. And then finally, what does it mean to be naturally supernatural? This means to be able to call on the power of the Holy Spirit as part of our everyday lives, to see his power and his gifts break out, not just in times when we're, for example, in prison where there's an earthquake need and we need to have the chains shattered, but it's in our everyday lives. It's as we meet people in the mall, as we associate with work colleagues, we ask the Lord to say, what is on your heart for them, Lord? How can I bless these people? How can I impart the Holy Spirit to them? And we start operating in the gifts of wisdom and of healing and of discernment of spirits. You know, the first prophetic gift that ever came to Well of Life was a lady called Kerry Southey. And we'd never, for, for me and my family, we'd never experienced anything like this before. And so part of the week while, we were, while she was here with us, we said to her, Kerry, can you teach us? How do we do this? And her answer was simple. She said, you need to start off just by praying your best prayer. Praying your best prayer and allowing the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you and show you the way forward. And so at this time, I'm really thinking of, of those of you who are facing big challenges, who have the challenge of moving countries, moving jobs, facing financial difficulties, figuring out what it is. And I want to say to you this morning that you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. And we as a community, I trust those around us can come around those people, can discern uh, things spiritually for them, put them into their lives, perhaps even bless them, be the generous people that we are in Jesus Christ. But I want to say that you're not alone this morning because we have the Holy Spirit. And so I want to close by reading the blessing at the end of the book of Jude over us. And again, I'm going to use the amplified version of this because I think it just expresses the, the full weight of these words in a wonderful way. Hopefully you'll be able to see it on the screen and you can focus on it. If not, just close your eyes right now. Come into a position where of blessing. Maybe put your hands out and allow these words to wash over you. It says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you unblemished, blameless and faultless before the presence of his glory in triumphant joy and exaltation with unspeakable ecstatic delight. To the only one God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, splendor, majesty, might and dominion, and power and authority before all time and now and forever, and to all the ages of eternity. Amen.